Welcome to The Late Show on Thursday the 9th of November. Uh, we've um, had numerous Late Shows since the outbreak of, of the Israel-Hamas war on October the 7th, where there was that terrible unprovoked attack. And, and obviously it's been very distressing uh, over these weeks and we've had many discussions with many emails, some taking different, different positions. But we thought uh, tonight, on tonight's Late Show, we would look at, uh, take a step back, zoom out, look at the scriptures, and especially Psalm 83. Now, this isn't a Bible study, it's not a Q&A, uh, but I'm absolutely delighted that my good friend, Pastor Derek Walker of the Oxford Bible Church, is here to help us unpack Psalm 83. And, and I just have to say to um, folks who love uh, to email in, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing your emails, but it will be around halfway through this late show that we will um, be reading your emails. And I, and I would say it would be great if you could um, write in response to our discussion on this amazing prophetic psalm. So, Derek, we've had many discussions over many years yeah. on, on prophecy, um, and I've grown up with it, and it's... Uh, amazing to see how events are unfolding even in our time. Mm. Uh, I thought the last hundred years was amazing enough, but, yeah. but even um, as we are sitting here, events are, are unfolding. And it's so good of you to come up for a special Thank you. Um, discussion. I, I try not to interrupt you because I'll get a load of emails saying, Tim, stop <laughs> interrupting Derek. Um, but. Uh, I, I might interject, yeah. and I'm sure you'll interrupt my interruptions, as Churchill once said. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, psalm 83 is a remarkable psalm, and I think this isn't mm. a Bible study, but it would be good for you to just tell us why. why. Why is it relevant when we're looking at what's happening in Gaza and, you know, the effect of the immediate mm. surrounding yeah, nations? I, I must admit that... Um, I've, for a long time, the thing that I'd been looking for was an unfulfilled prophecy in Ezekiel 38. And, uh, and, and that's going to happen. It talks about a big invasion of Israel in the end times, from the, mostly from the north. And um, nations such as Russia, Iran, Turkey, and so on. I even wrote a book about it, The Imminent Invasion of Israel. And I kind of ignored Psalm 83, really. I put a little appendix in the book on that. And I thought, basically, um, the big thing coming is Ezekiel 38. When this recent war started, I prayed to God because I was invited to speak at somewhere at an Israel conference. And I just thought, I'll give my standard message on Ezekiel 38. And the Lord said, Psalm 83. Yeah. And as I began to really, for the first time, study Psalm 83 seriously, it dawned on me that we're in Psalm 83 right now. In fact, Psalm 83 has got to play itself out before Ezekiel 38 yeah. kicks in. Now that's interesting because, um, you know, there are so many different views on prophecies, you know, the preterist position, it's all, all happened in AD 70 or whatever. And, and then others who, who latch on to, you know, especially during the Victorian period or just pre-Victorian, you know, came out with very strong views of, of what was gonna happen. And, and some of it absolutely happened, yeah. as, as predicted by the restorationists. Um, just a little personal comment. Have you changed your 
position when you've seen events unfolding? Do you, do you leave that caveat sometimes and say, look, we can't be absolutely sure? Not really. I mean, I, I, take I thought a, you were going to say I that. Take, I, take a li I take a literal approach to yes, Bible prophecy, and that means, for instance, I'm pre-millennial, that yeah. Christ will come and then sure. he will initiate the thousand-year reign. Yeah. Um, I'm also pre-tribulational, yeah. and that's just from the scriptures, just by yeah. taking the scriptures at their face value. But what I meant was specific events mm. unfolding, because you know, some would say, oh, 48 was a significant event. 67 was yeah, the most significant absolutely. event. In and, fact, what, and what it's I want... it's quite important if you're, if you're creating dates from those events that you get the right events, as it were, to, yeah. to count from. Yeah, we, we know that 1948 was highly significant, the rebirth of Israel. That's a very clear mm. prophecy in the Bible. Um, saying that uh, Israel must be a nation in the land because the stage has to be set for all the end-time prophecies. And basically, how do you, any prophecy, many prophecies have been fulfilled, particularly in the life of Christ and other ones too, but there are other prophecies that haven't been fulfilled that are set in the end times, and, and therefore they will happen. Um, and the rebirth of Israel is one of them. And then 1967, the recapture of Jerusalem, that's Luke 21, 24, that Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are over. So that was another major date, of course. And then, of course, the Yom Kippur War in 73 was, was a major event with many supernatural things happening that shows that God was, was fighting for Israel. And then it's been fairly... And that's in Lance Lambert's book, isn't it? The yeah. Battle, Battle for Wonderful Israel. book. I remember reading that. And, and it, that it links to 50 years later, exactly, wasn't it? In this year. Yeah. When, and the, there's a similarity because both of them were on feast days. And, and if the feast days are holy, which they are, certainly to Israel, then um, to violate a holy thing like that means God is more, much more likely to get involved. Mm. Um, uh, and that certainly happened in 73. There's all kinds of miracles took yeah. place. And I believe God is involved in this. And I and, and what I believe about Psalm 83 is that uh, the, the, it's really Bill Salas uh, brought Psalm 83 to the attention of the body of Christ, but his interpretation is that the whole psalm has not been fulfilled at all. Yeah. It's yet to be fulfilled in one mega war yeah. uh, with all the nations named. Mm. I don't agree with that. It, psalm 83 describes a coalition of nations. Mm. And, and if, if we have time to go through them all, but basically they are exactly the nations that tried to kill Israel at her birth. You know, exactly. So name I think by we name. should go through. We should go through mm. those, and then I'll ask you the, the the question. You know, what is, as it were, the clinching element of this psalm? You might. You'll probably tell me. No, it's in every verse. But well, um, what, what, what I would say is yeah. that it's it's unique in Scripture as well because it is. Not a direct prophecy, mm -hmm. but it's a prophetic prayer. Yeah. And it gives a model for how God wants us to pray yeah. if we're in Psalm 83. And that's why I think it has a practical value. Yeah. And what I was going to say is I disagree with Bill Salas that it's some future battle, that in fact, Psalm 83 is being fulfilled over a period of time. It's yeah. 75 years. It started to be fulfilled. It describes 48, a, 48 sorry, yeah. um, which is 75 years ago. Yeah. Um, 
it describes a coalition of nations that are gathered to destroy Israel. Mm. So that has not been fulfilled in ancient times. It couldn't be fulfilled until Israel was a nation. Yeah. And it was initially fulfilled in 1948 and in the subsequent wars. Yeah. And those wars have got to play themselves out. And I believe the, the, it is not fulfilled in a single war, but in a succession of wars that, as we've seen. Okay. until the power of those inner nations has been broken. Mm. They, they, they are judged by a military victory in this psalm. Okay, so let's, um, just for the, the viewers, and, and I'm mindful, yeah, and I said you can email him, but we won't be reading emails until later in the show. But I'm mindful there'll be people watching, this will be a new subject for you. So it, it, this may just, as it were, stimulate um, a further study of the scriptures. But firstly, let's look, because I, I think for people that haven't come across prophecy in the past, it's mind-blowing. Mm. But let's have a look at some of these nations that are specifically mentioned. And it's not talking about Tipperary or, or you know, or sort of Guangzhou. I mean, yeah. they're specific nations in the Middle East. So should exactly. we go through them? Sure. It probably would be good to, to say what they... Just to, to, to read in, uh, let me see. Yeah, a little context of why they're yeah, If I can just read the intro to it. Yeah, please. And then, do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. Do not be still. In other words, it's a prayer for God to get involved mm. in this because it's a dangerous situation. For behold, your enemies. Notice it's a spiritual battle. It's, it involves God and God's people. Mm. Your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you not just hate Israel, but so the, yeah, the first thing hate is the God of Israel. Enemies of God, saying, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Mm. They have lifted up their head. They've taken crafty counsel against your people. Mm. So it describes Israel in the end times as still God's covenant people. And then it says, and consulted together against your sheltered ones, even though Israel has been regathered in disobedience, you know, they're not believing in the Messiah, yet they're still sheltered to a degree because of the covenant, yeah. the Abrahamic covenant. And this is what they say, come le and let us cut them off from being a nation mm. that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. And well, that's, that's exactly, exactly <laughs> what, I mean, we could say it in Isn't unison. It? Yeah. This is like synchronized swimming. It's yeah. exactly what Hamas exactly. has said. And it's, it's what the Arab nation, well, the yeah. various nations said in 1948, Correct. 67, 73, and now, of course, again. Yeah. And then it says, for they've consulted together with one consent, they form a confederacy against you. So mm. this is a whole group of nations, okay? It's different from other prophecies where maybe there's a judgment against Philistia or Edom or something like this. Mm. This is talking about a, a confederacy of nations. And then it names them. And that's what you were really yeah. asking me in verse six. The tents of Edom, now Edom, descendants of Esau. Esau. Mm. And that the Edomites originally were in Jordan, but then they spread out. They even went into, you know, Herod the Great was an Edomite yeah. and so on. Yeah. And, and we but can't it's go... Still, it's still that area of um, uh, uh, where Petra is located, southern, yeah. that would be exactly. still seen as that area. Of but Edom. the interesting thing in this is, and again, we don't have time to absolutely prove this, but it it, there's a paradox here because it says the tents of Edom. Yeah. Now, in other words, the, this is the weakest group because they're living in tents. They're not established like mm. the others. Yeah. And yet, we might translate that as the refugee camps mm -hmm. of Edom. Mm -hmm. And um, 
an Edom, in a sense, this could be a reference to the Palestinians um, who are parked in refugee camps. And there's, a, there's actually a prophecy in Obadiah that talks about a confederacy of nations. I think it's Obadiah 14. Um, that are actually th their confederate partners ha are using them like pawns and actually plant them on the borders of Israel, as wow. it were, to be the front line against Israel. Wow. And these tents of Edom, I would say, you could be argued, but actually represent the, the Palestinian got it. Yeah, refugees. Got it. That's, that's a, alone a very significant that that is mentioned first. And why are they first, even though they're the weakest? Because they're the front line. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the Ishmaelites, that would be the Arabians, Saudi Arabia and so on. Mm. Um, now, they're not the enemies of Israel right now, Saudi Arabia. No. But they were in 48, you see. But well, then, they're not the open enemies. No. And they might even, well, they're very close to signing the Abraham Accords. Yeah. Um, so it's possible, you see, if you th see Psalm 83 as a sequence. Yeah over many years, mm -hmm. then certain of these ones have made peace with Israel now because they were defeated militarily. And the whole psalm is a prayer that God would give um, Israel victory over these enemies. And so a lot of Psalm 83 has been fulfilled, yeah. but there is still some parts of Psalm 83 that remain to be fulfilled. Um, so the Ishmaelites is, is Arabia. Moab is again a reference to Jordan. Correct. The Hagrites is an interesting one, and that seems to be a reference to Hagar. Mm. And, uh, and Hagar was Egyptian. So it's interesting that Egypt is described here in reference to Hagar. And there's a reason why, because um, part of the, the, the Bible talks about an ancient hatred that these surrounding nations have, and because many of them are, dis, are other descendants of Abraham who are jealous of the Jews because they receive the covenant and the priority they were chosen. And so there's a jealousy, a family jealousy, if you yeah. like. And so that's why I think Egypt is defined via Hagar because Hagar was the mother of Ishmael. And it's also fair to say that even if people aren't the physical descendants, they identify sometimes with the spirit yeah. that, that, right. that, that from which the jealousy arose and right. identify with it. I mean, even Arafat said that he was a Canaanite. He was from Egypt. Of course, but that's what, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they identify and there is a yeah. spirit of, of enmity there, yes. which uh, is perpetuated. Yes, and it's called the ancient ha hatred in Ezekiel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, okay, then it says Gebal. Now that's, that's right. North Lebanon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we, we understand Lebanon was part of that. Mm -hmm. Ammon is another part of Jordan. Jordan, like we have Amman is the capital of Jordan. Exactly. Yeah. Amalek, uh, people might argue about. If, if you're like me, I believe that the um, Mount Sinai is in Arabia. I think the Amalekites originated in Arabia, but... Um, mm. People argue over the, so we'll move on from the Amalekites. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the interesting line, Philistia, yeah. and that's essentially the Gaza Strip. That's right. Where the Philistines live right. there. And so, five this, cities of the This Philistines. is what's relevant in Today. terms of the Gaza War. Mm -hmm. I would say that, you know, we're entering into a new phase of Psalm 83, where now Hamas, which controls Philistia, mm. um, with the inhabitants of 
Tyre. It's interesting that they are aligned with the inhabitants of Tyre, which is South Lebanon. That's right. Now, so in other words, Lebanon's included here. Now, I had thought Psalm 83 is finished. It's just, we're just ready for Ezekiel 38 mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But actually, even though Lebanon's been broken as a power, yeah. because of these, um, you know, groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, right. they still are very much a threat because of Iran's support. Yeah. So here you've got the two mentioned together, and um, from, I don't know how true it is, but I've heard the, the story that in fact the original plan was that Iran wanted Hezbollah and Hamas to coordinate a, a simultaneous attack. But he Hamas jumped the gun, and now America stepped in, yeah. And now Hezbollah doesn't want to get involved because America's being much stronger than was expected. Yeah, that, 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 I, I, Hamas very much wants to identify themselves as the spearhead, don't they? Of, of you yeah, know, they wanted the, the glory, Israel. and the, but actually that spoilt. But it does illustrate a point that, that of the divisions in the Arab world. It, it, it's yeah. a confederacy, and they, some of them are jockey, jockeying yeah. for position. I remember in the peace talks with um, Arafat and um, the father of Bashar al-Assad of Syria, um, Hafez al-Assad, um, uh, boy, were they competing <laughs> to get the upper hand in yeah. the negotiations with yeah. Israel, yeah. and you, neither trusted the other. And um, in one sense, Clinton and others, they played the two against each other. Um, uh, and then, you know, if Arafat thought that a deal was going with Syria and vice versa, they'd want to jump in first. All right. Quite interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so the, these are all really still live, I would say, even though you say they've been defeated militarily. They're well, yeah. still live. I, that's why I thought it was over, but it's not over. Yeah. And it's interesting that it links these two, Philistia and Tyre. Yes. In other words, we might say in modern language, you know, Hezbollah and Hamas. Yes. And, and, and it would have been much harder for Israel to deal with the, the two simultaneously. Mm. Now, let's say Israel is successful with Hamas. According to this, there will probably still be another war at some yeah. point That's right. uh, with Hezbollah because its power has grown. It hasn't been broken. But the, the general tenor of this is a prayer that all these nations that attack, not necessarily all at the same time, mm. Well, they did in 1948 and yeah. were defeated, but they will attack. And but God will empower the Israel to beat them militarily with God's help, mm. as in biblical times. And through that, the the power of those nations will will be broken. And so, again, Philistia and Tyre. That's probably where we are right now. Yeah. Then Assyria. That's interesting. That's Syria. And Iraq, yeah, right. The Assyrian Empire is primarily yeah. Syria and Iraq, and of course, both of those nations were there in 1948. Um, and by the way, they they're already talking about Hamas, ISIS, and ISIS was, you know, yeah. the Islamic states um, yeah. in um, Syria and Iraq, the yeah. Levant. It used to be called ISIL. Mm. So there you are. Right. Quite interesting that, that you know the. The language of this war is already moving into that, that territory. So the great evil that ISIS or ISIL did mm. is identical. In fact, it's surpassed now by the evil of Hamas. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, then, it, then it says they have helped the children of Lot. Mm. So um, this is referring really to most of these nations 
are those that had this ancient hatred against mm -hmm. Israel. And because they were, as it were, jealous of Israel, they've embraced another religion, another God. Mm -hmm. And Israel is a thorn in their side because while Israel is there, that speaks of the fact that the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, is still alive and well, and that covenant that God has with Israel is still in force. And so this is, the, this is there in the, to those who are religiously minded, the, this is the, their main enemy. Isn't it double-edged as well? And not only, obviously, the demonic powers know um, that, that, that there's, there's a great battle over the integrity of God's word mm. here. But, but the double edge is, is that it, it also completely undermines the tenets of Islam. Mm. That's an area that was once, you know, uh, Dar al-Islam, you know, the house of Islam should be occupied exactly. uh, by, by another uh, power. And, and so um, is, Islam is now, it's an existential, for them, it's an existential issue. Yeah. For those that believe in, in the you know, Quran and the Hadith and the exactly. writings. And Islam has, you know, spreads when it has military victory because it, yeah. it increases their confidence that they, they've got the right God, as it yeah, were. Yeah. But then it's interesting in this psalm, although it, there's a strong prayer for the defeat of these, mm. this, this confederacy, the psalm ends and it's interesting the purpose, he says, it, he says like in verse 17, let them be confounded and dismayed forever by this military defeat, let them be put to shame and perish. Mm. Why? Verse 18, that they may know you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. In other words, God's purpose in, if you like, bringing these nations to defeat against Israel, um, it's almost like Israel is an anvil. Mm. And when he, he wants to judge a nation, mm. like Hamas, mm. he brings them to attack Israel and then judges them through Israel against the anvil of Israel. So Amazing the, the purpose, God's yeah. purpose mm -hmm. is, and the best thing that could happen to the people of Gaza is Hamas's utter defeat, yeah. because then that sets them free, not only from oppressive leadership, but it also is a demonstration that they're, they're following the wrong God and exactly. that they need to turn, gives them a chance really to open their hearts to the possibility that the God of the Bible is actually the, yeah. the true God. Yeah. And so the purpose of God in this is mercy, yeah. salvation. It's, it's a wonderful thought. I, I mean, in, in our discussions on, on the channel and with emails, I, I, I definitely see it as an opportunity to liberate the people mm. from these oppressive, yeah. oppressive rulers. It's interesting in history um, where Islam has been decisively defeated at the gates of of Vienna and at the Battle of Tours, mm. it, they went into, they were, as it were, uh, they perished in disgrace. Mm. Yeah, and they went into like a collective uh, depression for hundreds of years. Yeah. And I think it, it could be, could be, yeah. and you'll argue, of course, that, that this is it, this is the time clock, or it could be, look, this is the breaking, it's another demonstration of God's Power yes, and prophecies there can are stages be fulfilled for it to go through in different stages. Yeah, now I'm um, interested in the, the stages. Yeah, the first stage is really Psalm 83, which is the inner ring nations around yeah. Israel. All of these kind of pretty much border on Israel, yeah. and and that ha they are defeated first because 
the next stage is Ezekiel 38, mm -hmm. because Ezekiel 38 doesn't mention any of these nations. Yeah. Okay, even Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, Sheba and Dedan, is actually on the other side, is on the side of Israel. When Ezekiel 38 happens, along with Tarshish and mm. um, many of the Western powers, so what you have is a different situation where the inner ring countries are not involved in that invasion, presumably because their power's been broken mm. uh, and they don't want to come against Israel again. Mm. But there's now the outer ring nations, the, the bigger nations uh, like Russia, but also other Islamic nations like yeah. Turkey and Iran. And you can see things m moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. So then there will be this Ezekiel 38 invasion, that will be the next stage. Yeah. And then God himself, not using the IDF, but God himself, according to Ezekiel 38, will move in judgment and he'll do it by himself. And that will be an awesome demonstration of God's power. And it says that they will release a revival around the world mm -hmm. and in Israel towards the God of Israel. It will probably get rid of the secularism in Israel. Not necessarily bring them to Christ, but make them yeah, fear God. Yeah, because it's interesting that, the, um, and I've seen it in your writings as well, so I'm not, it's not coming from me alone. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the God's uh, plan for Israel has these two phases, that mm -hmm. you know, they would be, there would be this ingathering mm -hmm. from the nations at a time when they're not believing, mm. which is exactly yeah. what's happening. One, one of the criticisms of, of Christian Zionists, let's say, is you know, how can you be um, supporting a nation that's not believing uh, in God? Well, we're just recognizing well, the fulfillment of it's Scripture. It's exactly, I mean, I could talk for an hour yes. on the fact that if you just read the Scriptures, the prophetic Scriptures, it's clear there will be an end time regathering of Israel in two stages. Yeah. And the initial stage is unbelief. And then when they come back to the land, they come to faith in the land, in, in the Messiah, in the tribulation. And then there will be, at the second coming of Christ, there will be the final regathering of Israel, yeah. which is a complete regathering in faith. Yeah. And then Israel will possess her land in, in the millennium. So Jesus talked about the fig tree being Israel. You can That's see right. Luke 13 yeah. verifies that. Exactly. And then, First of all, he says that one of the major signs of the end is that when you see the fig tree but bearing leaves, not, not fruit, not fruit, yeah, not fruit, bearing leaves. So she's there, but she's not bearing fruit, as in the time of Jesus. Um, but that's springtime. Wait a, a few months, and it's summertime, yeah. and then the fig tree will bear her fruit. So. It's, the prophecy is mm. that, that she will come back into the land in unbelief. And that, that's the prophecy from the Lord Jesus. And, and you know, he, he did talk in his Olivet Discourse about things happening on a worldwide scale. Mm. And the prophecies of Ezekiel, they, they will be gathered from all the nations. Something worldwide would happen. And that yeah. didn't happen in biblical times. No, it's an outstanding miracle, the regathering of Israel. Yeah. But it's happening in stages, I believe, because Israel is in unbelief. And mm. until God can, brings them, he brings them back to the land and then they will return to the Lord. And because that takes a process of time to bring Israel, and, and there's more stages after that, because in the tribulation, the Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel. Mm. She f trusts in him, but then he breaks it and he invades Israel 
in the mid-tribulation. Uh, not the whole of Israel, but, but as it were, he sets up a two-state solution. Can we, can we uh, look, uh, look at other, other uh, scriptures and prophecies that, that talk about them returning in unbelief? Because it's there in Ezekiel as well, quite clearly. Well, the, the classic one, and there is a number of them. Yeah, I know. Um, Ezekiel 37, the dry bones, yeah. all right? So if you read it carefully, Ezekiel is told to prophesy twice. It's very clear. The first time he prophesies, you know, all these scattered bones, as it were, Israel scattered around the world, they are gathered together um, and, they've, and, and the flesh comes on them. Yeah. And they, they become, as it were, a nation again. They, they, you know, they become connected, the scattered bones become connected together. And then, but it has no life. And that's the initial regathering of Israel in unbelief. And then God tells Ezekiel, prophesy a second time. And when he prophesies the second time, the breath of God, the Spirit of God, comes into this dead man, as it were, and comes alive. And, and that's a perfect picture of the two-stage regathering. But there are many that describe... That one verse in um, Ezekiel 36 that just says, I will give you, after, uh, after gathering them from all the countries, exactly. in verse 24, in verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within exactly. you. So there's a sequence there. And they, that happens when they're in the land. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, uh, people just, uh, the problem with many Christians is they don't study the Old Testament prophets. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. you know, we don't go there. Yeah. And the, but just and read. the secular world. You know, yeah. You know, the secular world is seeing this purely in terms of a military struggle or, or a mm. culture struggle or, or another a racial struggle. But, yeah. but it's, uh, the scriptures give a much deeper, yeah. more complete picture. Yeah, exactly. And just going back to stages, yes, the please. third stage at mid-tribulation, Antichrist invades Israel. Mm. That weakens Israel greatly. And then, but the final stage <coughs> is Armageddon itself, when mm. Antichrist gathers all the nations of the world mm. against Israel. And in that process of terrible tribulation and suffering, yes, God's protecting Israel, but because she's stubborn in her unbelief, God actually has to, you know, as it were, use these kind of tribulations yeah. to actually get Israel to humble herself and, 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 and to receive her Messiah. But God has not finished with Israel. The scriptures are very clear about that. And in terms of the world, I, I, I mean, um, Israel has been, uh, the Lord is the, the light, mm. you know, to lighten the Gentiles. But, you know, the prophecies talk about Israel being a light to the nations. Mm. And there has been an, a Judeo-Christian influence rooted in in, mm. in, in the Old Testament that has spread and created Western civilization. And people are talking now yeah. as though we're, they say this is a civilizational moment. There's an awareness mm. that what's happening in that war with Hamas is really going to affect every country. Mm. And um, yeah, we haven't got to the position where all the nations are against Israel. There are some who are no. actually supportive. In a way, because the, the acts were so heinous that that's given Israel, you know, a more of a basis to actually be, be strong. Yeah. But they are going after terrorists, not, yeah. you know, yeah. and they are trying to protect yeah. innocent lives, but it's not an easy job to do. So tell me if we've covered, are we, we, are no, we, well, we yes, covered in terms of Bible There, there is one thing, um, that, so we know, please. if we look at the actual prayer yeah. in verse 9, it's yeah. just very interesting how the prayer is. 
deal with them as with Midian, mm. and then you need to put a little bit of a brackets around the next phrase, as with Sisera, as with Jabin at, at the brook of Kishon. Now put that in brackets. And then, because he talks about Midian, yeah. and then he explains the Midian thing. So we jump over that little bracket. Who perished, the Midianites, who perished at Endor, who became as refuse on the earth. And then it goes on about their nobles becoming like Oreb and Zeb and Zeba and Zabuna. Now, yeah. what, what is all of this? Now, this is a reference to, to Gideon, the time of Gideon, when the massive invasion of the Midianites and the Amalekites yeah. from Arabia, massive invasion. And... The important thing here is, it was, you know, the Israelites were cowed and God took charge mm. of this battle. That's this right. wasn't a normal battle. God took charge and said, come on Gideon, yeah. you're my mighty man. And God gave very specific instructions, you know, the 300 men and all that, as to how that battle was to be won. They were massively outnumbered. Yeah, mm. but it was clearly God taking charge of the battle. And, and you know the story. And it's interesting that the, these, the prayer is basically God, and, the, and I believe this is how we should pray. God, take charge of this war. You know, Wasn't there an element with the, the, the battle against the Midianites where they um, fought against each other? That, that yeah, once they the smashed the pictures, you in, know, the at, you know, in the confusion at yes. night, they basically yeah. started going for each other. That's true. And there's an element of that. Yeah, there's an element um, of that. Even in the modern history of the Arab world, mm. they... they, they uh, the only thing that unifies them is hatred for Israel. Mm. But if that's lifted, then you mm. know, they, they really have, there's a lot of divisions between yeah. them. Yes, mm. yes, that's a good point. And the other interesting point is... I promised to open up the email, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, so the other interesting point is that the, this emphasis on the leaders, the yeah. nobles, yeah. Oreb, Zeb, Zeba, Zalmuna, wonderful yeah. names. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and, and if you read the Gideon story, what happens is the, the, there's an emphasis on that the leaders of Midian are captured and dealt mm. with. Mm. And so the application here is, that's exactly what the IDF have been trying to do, is track down the leaders of Hamas. And, and I think that is also correct to say, God, let the leaders be caught. Mm. Let the leaders be dealt with. Uh, and that's what this prayer is. And then the other, pr the other one that's very interesting is the battle. You know, when we go to Israel, as you take trips to Israel as yeah. well, mm. um, I w when you're at Megiddo, I like yeah. to describe the battle of Deborah. Of course. The, the other references against that king of Hatzor, Jabin, and Sisera, mm. how they were defeated at exactly. Brook Kishon. Yeah. It's another example how God took charge. Deborah's the prophetess. Mm. God tells Deborah the battle plan. She says, get a bunch, 10,000 men or whatever, up Mount Tabor, all right? And I am going to gather, that's going to lure the enemy in there. They had, they had the super weapon of the chariots, lo loads of chariots. How can we beat these chariots, you know? But they are lured towards Mount Tabor. And I don't know if Deborah knew what God was going to do, but you can read about it in her song. She, in, in Judges 5, and what actually happens, there's a, there's a brook Kishon that's normally not, not very big, mm. but suddenly God sends a massive storm from the east, mm. and it absolutely pours down, and the brook, brook Kishon overflows, and now all the chariots 
that had been lulled to the foot of Tabor, where Kishon was, are now stuck in the mud. Yeah. And the horses, exactly. she describes the horses desperately trying to Amazing. get free of this mud. And now they have to jump out of their chariots and run for their life. And they're utterly defeated. It reminds and me of the, the Battle of Agincourt, by the way, because that was, oh, you know, that yeah. was how... Um, you know, they, they expected this rainstorm and so yeah. they chose the battleground where, where all of the uh, right. horses and, and the like got stuck. Yeah, great mind. stuff. I'm going to read that, some emails, the so point, just finish your point. Fair enough. Yeah. But the point is, God took control of the battle. Yeah. yeah. And I believe that that is the right prayer because we're mm. talking about terrorists, mm. you know. Not Absolutely. that the innocents, no, but the, the, the terrorists would be... Um, that God would take charge of the mm. whole situation. God would anoint the, the forces that are dealing against these terrorists. Give them the wisdom, give them the success in doing that. That's a biblical prayer. Right, now you, you can take a little break. I'm gonna read a few emails in, in a chunk. You can have a drink of water, and then, um, as it were, a build up to a crescendo at the end. Um, uh, Jilly and David say, please note that Psalm 83, one of <coughs> The 150 Psalms is this week's Psalm within the Torah uh, triennial readings. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? That's a confirmation. Um, Satinda writes, whereabouts does Isaiah 17.1, the burden of Damascus, fit in? Uh, is it in Psalm 83, uh, Ezekiel 38, or another time? The reason I ask is because only yesterday the US carried out strikes on an Iranian ammunition depot in Syria and Israel hit targets in southern, the southern part of Syria. Also, it appears Israel is no longer coordinating their actions with Russia before carrying out these raids. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, I know I'm so tempted just we to don't give an know. answer. We don't, we don't know. Don't know. That, um, whether that will happen in tribulation or yeah. we, we honestly don't know. That's, the hardest thing with prophecy is getting the timings right. Exactly. So we, we can't be sure of all these things. So I'm going to read out, because we could give an answer to all the emails, and, and then I wouldn't read many. Um, Eddie, Eddie writes, Islam is central to understanding Hamas, yet all the mainstream media analysts in the Western world, without exception, ignore it and pretend it plays no role in the conflict whatsoever. I've got some comments on that, which I'll bring into my late show in a week's time. Um, uh, uh, next one, uh, let's just keep going. I'm trying to find ones that are not too long, if that's all right, but purely because we will... Um, uh, this is uh, from the same psalm from Les, but keep, keep, do not keep silent, O God. If God were to keep silent, hold his peace, or be still on behalf of Israel, they could be destroyed. But God has not kept silent. The word was manifested. In him, the silence of eternity was broken. Your enemies make a tumult. God was asked to behold this crisis and to regard the enemies of Israel as his own enemies, uh, as those who hated him, confident that if God did this, he would act on behalf of Israel. Come and let us cut them off from being a nation. This was the crafty counsel of the nations united against Israel. The desire of a confederation of nations to destroy Israel did not end in the days of Asaph, as today's neighboring nations and the whole world community threaten Israel. But men will learn that the God of grace is the most high over all the earth. You know, that's the point. Some, some prophecies do uh, have do repeats, but they have an ultimate fulfillment, don't they? We, we see that sometimes in the way messianic prophecies are applied um, in the new 
uh, Testament. Um, Liam, the only battle that truly set Islam back was the Battle of Lepanto. This was thanks only to the Pope of those times intervening through the power of the Rosary. This present conflict is being fought at the level of the spiritual realm under the camouflage of a human war. I didn't know that, Liam. That's a new one on me. Um, this is from Dave. If, you, uh, if, like you say, all the nations will be against Israel, I have to ask, why? Why does God allow that? Why not deal with them before it gets that far? Um, that's another question. Um, uh, where does the seven years come in through? We're going to get to a Q&A if we're not careful. But where does the seven years come in three and a half? Uh, three and a half of them, another three and a half, as in, in Daniel. I'll, I'll see if I can um, read... Sorry, that was too long, Alice. If you want to cut yours back slightly, I'll, I'll read it again. Um, the ancient house of Israel, this is the text, and I do sometimes get these anonymous texts, so I'm never able to personally answer them, but the ancient house of Israel are nothing to do with the white-skinned Ashkenazi Khazars of today. They're, their king, Bulon, only adopted Judaism in the 8th century. Genesis 10, 3-5 says they are Gentiles and Khazars. Of course, Revelation 2, 9 and 3, 9. I've heard this a few times from folks who do uh, name it. The point about the synagogue of Satan mentioned in Revelation was they were persecuting Christians. Mm. Mentioned in those letters. Today on France 24, Tony writes, um, uh, the debate on their program called The Debate, uh, someone said exactly what you're discussing now, that Hamas cannot be destroyed because it's not an organization but an ideology who want to fully destroy Israel. And this ideology is supported right across the anti-Jewish Islamic nations. Israel will recognize Jesus as Messiah when Jerusalem is occupied by Gentile nations and they have no way out. Then they will call upon him and he will come and destroy their enemies and establish his kingdom on earth as in the book of Zechariah. And may God bless Israel. The ideology I'll, give you, may, I'll give you a chance The to ideology answer. may not be destroyed, but I believe... Yeah. It, it could well be Hamas's time for its power to be broken. Yeah. And I think that's what Israel is doing, they're, they're aiming to do, and I believe it's possible, uh, if the world lets them, yeah. to actually deal a death blow to Hamas effectively yeah. as a nation, because Israel has had very successful wars in the past. Every time the nations or a nation has come against Israel for four or five, six times, they've suffered a, a strong setback and uh, against often the odds. Yep. So I believe that Israel will create a permanent change mm. as far as Hamas is concerned. Um, but it's not the end of Israel's problems. It won't be. No. Obviously, there's Hezbollah. But um, it's interesting how they have, I mean, plenty of times in, in, the, in the Old Testament scriptures, Israel is warned about not compromising with the nations around. And, and yet Israel has tried so hard in the modern era mm. to basically amalgamate or find some cooperation mm. uh, with their enemies. And it hasn't worked, it hasn't been that successful. You know, since the Oslo peace process, they, they, they're saying, look, if, if Israel had given autonomy to the West Bank, full autonomy, and mm. Hamas had taken over, mm. it would have been an exactly. absolute catastrophe. Exactly. So, so it's the other impossible element to this is, is the hostages. It does look impossible, mm. and yet we're praying for a miracle. Yeah. In the, despite this, this terrible 
conflagration, that they could be rescued? I think, uh, you know, they are being quite successful in mm. as they're going along mm. and they're taking over a big part of the, the danger area. There's still some fighting to do, but uh, I think that Israel will will be successful in this. They're, they're going to lose a lot of popularity in the world, but I think they, they will continue. They have to continue um, for their own populations. Mm. Pr the pressure will, will demand uh, that this will never happen again. Mm. And, and I think the political pressure means Israel must do that. So they'll the lose nations. popularity in the world. Yeah, they um, will to an extent, but this has been so heinous, you, you, as you said, you, when you're seeing the European Union saying Europe stands with you, that's unprecedented, yeah. given that they've given so much money yeah. uh, into Gaza. Yeah. Uh, but So we are in sort of uncharted territory. Mm. Um, I'll just read a couple more emails. This is from <coughs> Peter. The attack of Gog is after the thousand years when Israel is at peace, living in unwalled villages, Revelation 20. But the second advent, Jesus said, there were signs that the apostles would see and some would live to see them coming in, in his coming of his kingdom. Matthew 16, the word coming, mellow, is in the Greek, but not translated by 98% of English versions. Coming to restore the kingdom of Israel in Acts 1.8, Jesus said the restoration of Israel, the apostles were told that they would not see. This would be the third intervention by the Lord, Romans 11.25, this is modified Praetorism, not a Calvinist version. <laughs> the problem is, there's no way we're going to be able to go into all of that, Peter, but I appreciate what you're saying and I can, I can sort of uh, piece it together. Um, uh, the world is crying out uh, for peace, uh, Chris writes, uh, to bring an end to this current catastrophe. Uh, I would ask Pastor Derek if Israel's actions in Gaza could be the hook in the jaw that draws all nations into the conflict. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. It, it is, I would think, the, the hook of Ezekiel 38 that, that could draw the nations like Russia, Iran, and so on into the Ezekiel 38 scenario. I don't think it's necessarily the time yet, but it's possible that this will trigger Ezekiel 38, um, yeah. particularly Iran, um, and Russia will get hooked in somehow. Um, and then we're into Ezekiel, but it talks about Ezekiel 38, there'll be at least seven years after Ezekiel 38. So I don't agree with the, with the person who said it's going to be after the thousand years. I know why they say that, mm. but, uh, but clearly there's going to be burning weapons for seven years after. That's not going to happen into the eternal yeah. state. Yeah. So this is going to happen either before the tribulation or just in the early days of the tribulation. Yeah. Good. I'm going to, I've, I've had the chance to read your email here, Alice. I'm going to read it out. <coughs> I watched a YouTube video of Pastor Mark Driscoll, who took a very polarized view of Israel versus Hamas. Hamas, he identified as the demonic spirit of violence, tracing back to the donkey man Ishmael. Uh, Israel and the Ishmaelites, he said, were in opposition since some 4,000 years. Yes, all this rings true, but I feel uneasy that we would support yet more division that we would judge the Arabs, Islam, and the Muslims as an anti-Christian, a culture of death from which rises the Antichrist, according to Pastor Mark. Uh, we Christians murdered six million of the Lord's people very recently. 
where is that in the Psalms or in prophecy? I think we have to watch the signs, be very careful about judging, and remember that Jesus says, love thy enemies. Don't get me wrong, I have huge and total sympathy for the Israelis having suffered a horrible massacre, totally with them, but we have to remember Jesus' way, and we can't condone another war whereby thousands lose their lives and are maimed just because that's human reaction, a natural human reaction to violence, and I for an eye. I don't think we are, um, what's, the, what's the word that was used? Um, we're certainly not uh, condoning anything. We're just saying this is happening. Is that a fair way to say it? I mean, well, I, well, I, I, I don't Well, I would see... distinguish between, I think it's right to pray for justice to be done. Yeah. In other words, on Hamas. Yeah. And obviously we should pray that innocent life is minimized, mm. but they waged war on yeah. Israel. And when you start a war, you it's going to be a war. Mm -hmm. At the same time, yes, we shouldn't be acting out of any kind of personal malice or, you know, we should be praying as in this psalm for the salvation mm -hmm. of those people. But their best hope of salvation is the destruction of Hamas as yeah. a terrorist organization. Yeah. So there can be a kind of false sympathy That's that right. actually just perpetuates a problem that needs to be dealt with. You know, so no, there, this, this, this psalm is a, is a prayer for justice, mm -hmm. that God will exercise justice on the leaders of, of, the, of Hamas, for example, mm -hmm. and on te terrorists mm -hmm. who have, whose aim is to destroy Israel. Yeah. So you, you, you should be a person of peace to make peace, but not everyone is wanting to make peace. You know, you can't make peace with a lion who wants to eat you. Yeah. You know, you, right. you exactly. have to deal with yeah, exactly. that. Exactly. And, and, it's and the e tragedy is um, the world, uh, Alice, that has stood by and watched Hamas and knowingly watched them build up a power base. Mm. Um, I would say knowingly. The, the media know what's going on. The, the problem is any large media organization that has uh, its own... Uh, journalists embedded within Hamas-controlled territory has to watch what they say. Mm. It, it's, a, it's a fact of, um, of life. And, yeah. and sadly, people, men of violence, which Hamas are, and one derivation of their name is violence, uh, Hebrew, is um, they, tend to, um, they tend to carry the day in most societies. Unless you have a, the rule of law, mm. uh, which we have uh, enjoyed over hundreds of years in the West, um, you, you, you have tyrants taking over and they are a, a tyrannical mm. um, bunch of gangsters. And, and that's a tragedy for the people of Gaza. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tragedy for them. And, and the prayer is quite as strong. You know, it really says that God move, like a, move in like a storm and you know, um, let them be like chaff before the wind. And it's, again, it's not talking about the innocents, but it's talking about those who are committed to, to destroy Israel. Mm -hmm. And it's a prayer that God will, will deal with them, but again, so that they might realize that they're following the wrong ideology, yeah. the wrong God, as mm -hmm. it were, mm -hmm. and so that they would actually find salvation. So the, the best thing that could happen to them is to, to experience a defeat. Then they've got hope to turn to the true God for, for forgiveness and salvation. Yeah, um, it's an interesting verse, isn't it? Make them like tumbleweed, uh, verse 13. Um, a light chaff well, before the wind. Mine says whirling dust. Yeah, it's like it's, the chaff it, before the wind. Yeah, yes. That gives a sort of impression of, of 
of some, I don't know, the word derision comes to mind, just a confusion that they, that they would turn, again, turn in on them each themselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so and that their unity would be broken. Yeah. So you like the chaff, you know, that the unity would be broken uh, because yeah. the strength is in unity. Mm. And I think that's what's happening right now, to be honest. I think we're seeing the outworking of that. It, it, it's just one, in other words, we are in Psalm 83 right now. And this is telling us how to pray. And I don't think we're quite finished with Psalm 83. Mm -hmm. But at some point, it's, it, the conflict is going to create a hook in the jaw to bring Russia involved, and along with Russia, Iran, Turkey, and you can see how that alliance is forming through this pressure cauldron. The West is being strong. It was predicted in Ezekiel 38 that the Tarshish nations would stand by Israel. Mm. We've seen that again in this war. Mm. And that Russia, Iran and that are getting more against Israel, and Turkey especially. Mm. And therefore, the scenario for Ezekiel 38 is setting setting itself up and at some point that's going to be triggered now um uh we can't go into all the details because we're in the last few minutes but um i think folks can understand the the land of the north and, and moscow being north far and, north and the far this is north. the far north and yeah. just uh, uh, this isn't a bible study derek but uh, uh the tarshish nations uh, you know, in a few sentences, just explain. Well, if you look at my how. book on the imminent invasion of Israel, I mm. write a chapter to mm. prove yeah. <laughs> that Tarshish is the United Kingdom. Mm. And that's where Jonah was trying to sail to because it was the furthest possible point from the Holy Land. Are you also saying those nations influenced by the United Kingdom? So it's the notions that came out in the sense mm. of, of colonies mm. and so on of the United Kingdom, <coughs> particularly the United States, yeah. but also mm. a whole bunch of other nations. If you think about it, the Tarshish nations, in other words, are Tarshish and are young lions. So mm. Tarshish is described as a lion, which is mm. the symbol. Of, of Britain, but also the Tarshish nations are the, were the allied powers <coughs> in, the, in the world wars. Mm. And, and they still kind of form a, a natural unit. By the way, it's remarkably similar um, to the Nazis, the, w the way um, uh, Hamas and, and the Iranian regime frame this battle, how, how they frame their society. Mm. Uh, around you know the supreme leader or the Führer, yeah. you know the way they they want to have a Judenrein land. They don't have any Jews. And it in, wasn't Christians that in, killed six million people in the <coughs> Holocaust. That's true. I mean, uh, it, they, were, you know, they was they, affected it was, by Hitler was not a Christian, Christian theology, but he clear. was not a Christian. He was not absolutely no. not a Christian. But it did happen within. Uh, Christian Europe oh, or Christendom. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we all have to guard our hearts, don't we? Uh, so that a prejudice doesn't arise. Mm. I, I think that um, to, we can have an honest discussion mm. and, you know, be honest before God's word, but not, as it were, join in, you know, mm. a, a battle of hatred. The key thing is, because what brings a curse <clears throat> is, is hatred. Mm. And, it, and it says, if those who curse Israel will be cursed. Mm -hmm. And what's described here is the, the hatred of the ancient hatred yeah. of these nations against Israel. But hatred brings you under a curse. And of course, we have to be careful yeah. ourselves 
not to allow hatred mm. to govern our motives or our prayers. Yeah, exactly. We pray for the salvation of the people and, and that the, as many as possible will, will be saved and, and kept alive. Yeah. But at the same time, it is right. We mustn't be soft. It is right that we pray that justice be got, done. Bless you. Derek? It's been, a good, it's been a good late show. I, I hope others have enjoyed it as much as I have. Appreciate very much all the emails that have come in. Sorry, I haven't read absolutely all of them. But we've given a good, a good shot at it. And um, yeah, I always taught my kids, you know, envy leads to hatred, hatred leads to killing. There are many examples in the scriptures. We can see examples today. So let's pray for peace in the heart of man, peace before God and then peace among our neighbours. And God bless you. Bless you, Derek. Amen. And bless the Oxford Bible Church. Thank you.